When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Mike Trott is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And I am joined once again. By my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and love eyes of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glenville. Hey, Doug. You know, it's amazing. We have not been together in three weeks. There's no show Uh, last week on Labor Day. Previous week, you were off. How are you, my friend? I am good, man. It's... uh... As you know, it was crazy. Started all with the Little League World Series, so that was a lot of fun. And I did part of the show in the car with a seatbelt on, you know. But um, yeah, the schedule—it's—it's it's a good problem. I'm going to tons of games. Uh, we had Labor Day game and um, traveling, getting to see all these amazing teams in the heat of the race. So that is—that's been fun. These games have all been critical, and the fans are into it. There's divisional rivalries, so. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been quite a run. I came in from San Francisco today, so sure. I got to see the Giants and uh, and the Rockies. Some good young young hitters there. So it's um yeah, it's, this is what it's about, and it's only going to heat up the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so I'm I mean, excited. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be fun. Yeah, like September's the best. It's great. Hey Doug, you know what team we don't talk about enough? I think it's the Blue Jays, uh, but maybe we can rectify that right now because we have two of the great voices in our sport to talk Blue Jays with us today. Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez from Sportsnet are here. Gentlemen, thanks for stopping by Starkville. Hello, old friends. How are you? Good to be with you guys. Appreciate the time. Likewise. Doing great. We could put the Canadian flag now right in the middle of Starkville and it's official. <laughs> That's right. You know, normally the customs process goes pretty smoothly here in Starkville. Neither you got detained at the Starkville border, I hope. I, I used right. the password that you provided me with. and they, 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 <laughs> Don't yeah. let that get out. <laughs> All right. Wait, you, you know what, guys? I, I have been thinking for a while that the Blue Jays are one of those teams. They're They're lurking. If they get into this playoff field, I feel like they're really dangerous. Uh, you guys see them every day. Um, do you agree? Dan, let's start with you. I do agree. And it's been, if you surveyed the average Blue Jay fan, guys, they would tell you the season's been a little frustrating, a little underwhelming. They should have more wins than they do. And and I think I subscribe to that theory for, to a certain extent. You know, they also play in the toughest division in baseball, and they've got a good record. And, they, you know, they're in a decent spot right now, but they've made things a little bit tougher on themselves than they probably should have. Um, But I agree with that sentiment for a couple of reasons. Um, Their pitching is very deep. They've got as good a pitching staff as there is in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, A very good starting rotation and the deepest bullpen they've had in years. Eric Swanson coming off the IL, uh, the trade for Yenesis Cabrera, uh, Chad Green getting healthy, the trade for Jordan Hicks, Jordan Romano, Tim Mazza, Jimmy Garcia, on and on. Um, They play good defense, too. The big question for them, as I'm sure Buck will tell you when he starts, will they hit enough? But, yeah, they, you know, with pitching and defense, it's very, very very good. And I think all of us keep waiting for the bats to explode. And, you know, if they do, they can play with anybody. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think it's uh, it's been one of those seasons where you go, what's wrong with the Blue Jays? And here they are uh, position for the postseason. And, you know, they haven't hit the way we expected. And they gave away some big bats in the offseason, you know, to Oscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And those guys were a big part of the offense. But I think they've made up some of the ground with the great defense and especially the pitching, as Dan said. This is a very, very good pitching staff. And it might be the best five-man rotation in baseball right now with the return of Yunjin Ryu. And and they a diverse look. I mean, they give you so many different looks. And I love the way that – Kikuchi's pitching after Ryu because Ryu, as you know, is a finesse guy and Kikuchi's a power left-hander. You know, you've got Gosma with his split. you got Bassett with the kitchen sink and Barrios has had a terrific bounce back season. So I, I think they're well equipped to go into the postseason and go deep once they get into the postseason. And right now it looks like they're in pretty good shape. Uh, yeah, the, the, these last couple of weeks have really put them in position. And I, I want to go back to where both of you guys began. Um, you know, it it does feel like there's more there when you watch this team than their record would indicate. You know, there's more talent there. And um, it, it, is there some reason that you think this team has underperformed the sum of its parts, if you think that's even accurate? It's, it's so to go back to the hitting again, their their pitching has been either first or second in ERA in the majors like every day over the last month or so. So it goes back to the hitting um, and, and it's just a few guys haven't hit as well as they normally do. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. generates the most conversation because of his talent and because of what he did in 2021. And if you look at his overall numbers, they're pretty good. Like about 85 percent of major leaguers would, uh, you know, would would give a lot to have the numbers that Vladdy has. But he always kind of leaves you wanting more because he's so talented. And the funny thing, guys, is if you look at his StatCast page and then look at his numbers, they don't add up. He's not he's hitting the ball on the ground less. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's chasing a little bit more. I grant you that. But his StatCast numbers suggest um, his you know surface numbers should be a lot better. But, you know, there have been times where, um, you know, he just hasn't come through as often as they would like. George Springer is hot now, but his overall numbers are not a typical George Springer year. Uh, Alejandro Kirk has not reproduced the kind of year offensively that he had last year when he was an all-star and was a silver slugger. So it's just a few, you know, those are some prominent guys in, in your lineup. And it's just a, a few different guys who haven't had the kind of year. It's starting to come around. The offense has been better lately. They're, the other thing too, is for they were historically bad with runners and scoring position like historically bad no embellishment there and now because baseball's baseball and this is right up your alley jason yeah from august the second on they've been the best in baseball with runners <laughs> and scoring position like nobody can figure this stuff out but it's turning <laughs> time it looks like keeps me in business man that's all i know uh you know so what about the the shift in culture you know i know it's a word thrown around a lot but you know they made a managerial change you know mid-season and, you know, kind of continuing trying to establish something uh, where they have this expectation and delivery of the postseason. Uh, what have you seen just from a managerial change uh, that sort of sums up how this team has gotten to this point? And I'll start with you, Buck. Well, Doug, I think it's interesting because John Schneider has managed many of these guys back into the minor leagues and they've known him for a long time. And, uh, you know, he kind of thought that Deb would have some uh, weight in the locker room. I think he's learned that everything's a little bit different when you get to the big <laughs> leagues. You know? They don't necessarily think about that warm and fuzzy first manager I had in football. <laughs> now he's a manager in the big leagues, and if things aren't going their way, they're a little bit upset about it. And he's had to deal and put some fires out early in his career. But I love him. I think he's going to be a terrific manager for a long time. He's a pretty good blend of old school and new school and analytical information and old school baseball. He does an awful lot with his eyes and he watches what his eyes tell him to do. And, uh, you know, you two guys know and, and you hear it every day about the analytical preparations for the game. They meet every day and they talk about if this situation presents itself in the fifth, we're going to make this change to this guy in the bullpen. You can't script a baseball game. I'm sorry. Uh, you can call me old school if you want, but you have to trust your eyes what you see during the course of a game. And I think analytics has forced everybody to pitch like they're pitching against the 27 Yankees, and that's not the case. I think John has taken the information, embraced it, and will utilize it the best he can at the same time making baseball decisions when he knows what he sees in his heart 
and what he feels in his heart and what he sees with his eyes on the baseball field. Um, you know, guys, I've been thinking a lot about the AL East. Um, what were the odds that we could have three AL East teams in the postseason and none of them would be the Yankees or Red Sox? That's never happened. Dan, Dan what would you have bet me? That would happen. <laughs> yeah, well, coming into the year, I didn't think the Red Sox would be a contender, but I, I thought the Yankees would. And I thought there was an excellent chance that this division would send four teams to the playoffs, which obviously looks highly unlikely right now. And part of the problem is they're beating up on each other so much um, that it's hard to do. But I'm with you. And that's why, uh, you know, up here in Toronto, up here in Canada, uh, you hear the phrase, the Vladdy Bow window a lot. That is a, that is a common um, a conversational phrase. And they both came up mid-season, so it's a seven-year window. This is year five of the Vladdy Bow window, and who knows what the future holds. But you've got to take advantage of years when the Red Sox and Yankees are down because it doesn't happen all that often. Now, the Rays are really, really, really good, and as the Blue Jays know better than anybody, they've been really good for a long time, and the Orioles are no fluke. And, and, and you know, we all know how many good young players they have, and they're probably just going to keep getting better and better. So there are no easy years in the American League East. You know, the two Giants take a step back and the two other teams are great. But if you're the Blue Jays, that's why this year, um, I think, is such an important year for them. They haven't won a single playoff game in the Vladdy Bow era. They've been in the playoffs twice, but they were swept in two games each time. Another time they were they were eliminated on the last day of the regular season. So. I don't know. I don't want to use the word urgency, but boy, it would be nice to see them get in and win a round or two and, and actually have, you know, show some fruits of their labor. So um, I'm with you. It's not the way we all scripted it, but baseball is an unscriptable, uh, unscriptable sport. Ask the Mets, ask the Padres about what they've been through <laughs> this year. But at some point, um, you know, the Blue Jays just have to kind of, you know, break through and 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 find a way to get in and do and have a nice run when they get into October. All right, so so Buck, let's think this through because here's the problem for the Blue Jays: they're twelve and twenty-five against the AL East. They're sixty-eight and thirty-eight, I think, against everyone else. So this would be my question. Okay, so they they've now they've moved into the number two wild card spot. Aren't they better off in the third spot? If if they're the second wild card, then they're stuck in the AL East Invitational. Right? They have three games in Tampa Bay, most likely in the first round. Right then, then they go best of five against the Orioles if they get there. But if they're the third wild card, then they get the Twins in the first round, and most likely the AL West winner in the second round. Buck, do you think I'm onto something? Or am I crazy here? Well, I, mean, I know Dan and I have different thoughts about this, and I won't speak for okay, him. Okay, you can both. I one that says you, you manipulate your wild card situation by playing. I think you have to win every game you can, let the cards fall where they may, because once you start thinking about, well, you know, if we lose, it's not such a bad thing. Then you <laughs> have that mindset of losing, and you can't turn it around. So they've got to win as many games as they can, and wherever they end up playing. And, yeah, Tampa Bay has been a nightmare place for them. St. Pete has not treated them well over the history of these two organizations. But at the same time, sooner or later, you got to beat them. And you know what? They have as many injuries as anybody in baseball. And, and Kevin Cash has done a terrific job of overcoming those injuries. And, of course, the suspension of Wander Franco and all of that, too. They haven't missed a beat because that's their mindset. Next man up has always been their theme in Tampa Bay. The Blue Jays right now are dealing without Matt Chapman. Of course, Chapman hasn't had much of an offensive season after April. But at the same time, he's one of the best defenders you need him on the field, and now they've had some kids come up that can give you a little more depth on your bench if indeed Chapman comes back, which we think might be by the end of this homestand. So, yeah, I'm not going to worry about who you're going to play. I'm just going to make sure we play the best baseball we can, and at the end of the season, we'll go wherever they send us. Okay, so it sounds like Dan disagrees. Second, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could jump in for one second. I agree with Buck. You can't. You don't want to upset the baseball gods. The baseball <laughs> gods are all powerful, and if you start messing with it now, if you get to the final day of the season, and you know you're in 100, <laughs> then maybe. But but in all seriousness, um, I, I think baseball needs to have a hard look at changing the playoff system a little bit uh, in terms of the three division winners getting the top three seeds. 
Um, I think if you win your division, you get a playoff spot. Great. Congrats. You get a playoff spot. So, but I'm not sure that the six playoff spots shouldn't be given out just in terms of, of record. I, I understand they wanted to put the importance of divisional races back in, but when there's such a huge difference between the East and the central year after year, after year, I think you have to take a look at it. And also got a balanced schedule now. So that changes yeah. the, the way we argue that too. Doug. Well, you know, so Dan, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that may not have seen the Blue Jays very often, right? A little bit of the under the radar. I guess, can you sum up for us, like, what is exciting about this team? Like, what is it like to see them every day and then sort of frame, like, what they bring to baseball? Well, one of the great things, and Buck knows this as well as I do, is the fan support this team has. Um it's possible they have more fans than any team in the major leagues because they have a whole country behind them. I mean, it could be the Yankees. It could be the Dodgers. It could be the Cubs, but it could be the Blue Jays. Like the Blue Jays go to Seattle and there are, and I'm not exaggerating at all, 30 to 35,000 Canadians who cross the border to stay in uh, highly inflated hotel room prices for that specific <laughs> weekend, whenever the Blue Jays are there. And it's like a home game for the Blue Jays. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands in Minnesota, Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, you know, all the all the cities that are close to the Canadian border. That's one of the fun things. Um, I, I think even though Vladdy has not had the year that he is uh, was expected to have or that you want him to have, he's still Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He still does fun things on the field. He's still capable of hitting a ball 460 feet. He's still capable of the most unbelievable head first slide into second you've ever seen a guy take. Uh, he can do the splits at first. He's social. He smiles all the time. Um, but but this year, the the personality of the team has changed a little bit. And Buck mentioned Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Them going out and guys like Brandon Bell and Kevin Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho coming in, it has changed the personality of the team. There, you know, there's uh, it, it's a different kind of fun. Uh, maybe you have to search a little bit harder to find the fun, but they are a very fun bunch. But when they're playing well, um, you're seeing emotion on the field. You're seeing a big George Springer hit and a fist pump. You're seeing a Vladdy fist pump. You're seeing Kevin Kiermaier or Dalton Varshow make great plays in the field. Uh, it, instead of being really, really good at a couple parts of baseball and maybe not nearly good enough at the others, they've brought up their floor. So um, they're, they're not going to score 12 runs a game like they did in 2021 or anything like that, but they can beat you a bunch of different ways. But I, I just think it's playing with emotion, playing smart, clean baseball, executing well. And when they do that with the pitching staff they have, they're still a lot of fun and they still win a lot of games. Um, is Bo Bichette the guy who makes them go now or is it still Vlad or even somebody else, George Springer maybe? I think it's still Bo. I think Bo is the type of guy that can get big hits against tough pitching. I mean, he can go into a postseason and he'll get hits off the stutter. He'll get hits off the closer. He hits the ball to all parts of the ballpark. He can hit home runs. He can hit extra bases. For me, he's a little bit like George Brett in that regard because he has the ability to get the kind of hit you need in that situation. If you're down by a run in the ninth inning, he'll get a leadoff double. If you're down by two, he'll have a two-run home run to tie it in the sixth. He's just one of those guys that has such a great feel for the game that, like Brett, and I saw Brett, you know, very firsthand, he was a guy that got the big hit, the kind of hit you needed in a particular situation. Whether it was a, a, a home run off Goose Gossage in the playoffs or a double and uh, set up the rally in the ninth inning, I think Bo has that kind of ability. He has a unique knack for putting the barrel on the baseball, no matter where it's pitched, whether it's right in against his jersey or down and away. I saw Ralph Gar at the All-Star game, and Ralph was a guest of Dusty Baker's at the All-Star game, and, and I said, hey, Gator, what do you think of Bo Bichette? And he goes, but, man, he's just a natural-born hitter. <laughs> and that pretty just much like how what Bo's all about. Yeah. You know, well, you know, since you mentioned Bo, I, you know, he's been out. Um, so, so much of projecting any team's October <laughs> picture is about health, and I was looking at this over the weekend. This team hasn't even played 20 games all year with its projected lineup on the field. And I wonder what your biggest health worry is right now, Dan. Is it Matt Chapman? He's still out. Is it Danny Jansen, who's out at least through the regular season? Uh, is it is it Bo? He's had two absences now with yeah. different leg issues since the start of August, or maybe even somebody else. 
You know, yeah, he missed 16 games with the uh, patellar tendon in injury and then nine games, I think it was, 10 days with the, the quad strain. Um, the funny thing is they've had a lot of guys out, but they haven't had guys out for like two months, you know. So if you look at their overall man games lost, they've actually, they're still on the healthier side of the ledger. Um, and Bo, if he's not hurt, plays 161 games a year, maybe 162. <laughs> Vladdy plays 160 or 161. George Springer's been healthy this year, which has been nice because he battled a lot of injuries. Um, and the pitching staff has been healthy. Gosman, Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi. Like that's their top four. Hyunjin Ryu is probably their five, but their top four right now, uh, I, I'm trying to think somebody missed 10 days, I think once, and that's it. Like they've been remarkably healthy. My biggest health concern for this team, uh, I think of the guys, you know, you mentioned Danny Jansen and Buck and I are both big fans of Danny Jansen. There's a lot of value in Danny Jansen. Firstly, he's got power and they need power this year. They haven't hit for the number of home runs. And he does a fantastic job, I think, with the pitching staff. I think he gets he deserves some of the credit for the pitching staff having the numbers um, that they have put up. And they're not going to have him back for the rest of the regular season. And they'll probably have to win a couple of rounds in the playoffs for for him to get in there. Um, but of the of the healthy guys, I think you could flip a coin between Bo and Vladdy. Honestly, again, I know Vladdy hasn't had the year that he's had, but he's still Vladdy and he's still a threat um to to go deep at any point in time that they, they are lucky they've had some players come up for the minors and we're 20 some minutes in. we haven't said david schneider's name yet and he's been a sensation for this team over the last month but I, i'd flip a coin between bo and vladdy um with it but i want to mention kevin gosman too i mean he's their number one right and he's been he's been very healthy he's been one of the best starting pitchers in baseball since they got there so i'd say bo vlad and kevin gosman are the three most important guys to keep healthy i'll take an exception to that and say it's alejandro kirk because if alejandro kirk gets down they are messed up if he goes down and can't play at all say pulls a hamstring or something like that and then you say well you know he doesn't run fast enough to pull a hamstring so we <laughs> But anyway, if he goes down, this team's in trouble because their next catcher is Tyler Heineman. And, you know, I respect every player that makes it to the big leagues, but it's not Danny Jansen and it's not Alejandro Kirk. You know, everybody talks about Kirk's ability to uh, to hit and put the bat on the ball. And as Dan mentioned earlier, he hasn't had the type of season he had last year when he was a silver slugger player behind the plate. But he does a hell of a job catching. And he has really thrown well this year when the stolen base has been reintroduced to the game. Pitchers are still getting used to holding runners on. And, and I think it's a very exciting aspect of the game. But he's done a pretty good job throwing and especially blocking balls when you've got um, Bassett loves to pitch to him. Gosman trusts him with the splitter in the dirt. Danny Jansen is, is one of the best at blocking balls in the dirt. And Kirk's right there with him. So if Kirk goes down, I think that's going to be – that would be the biggest loss for me in the last three weeks of the season. I, I, they couldn't afford that. So, I mean, and Buck, you, you kind of mentioned it, but, you know, what do you think the impact of the new rules have been to the sort of athleticism of the Toronto Blue Jays? I mean, is it a – how has that kind of connected or allowed them to express certain talents that they've had? Yeah, Doug, I, I think, you know, you come from an era where speed was a factor and speed was an asset. And you built teams around speed, especially where I started in Kansas City on that spacious stadium in, in Kansas City with the AstroTurf. Speed was everybody's game. You know, you go to the Cardinals, Whitey Herzog, Cardinals, and all those great teams had a lot of speed. And we're seeing speed come back now. This is the most stolen bases Major League Baseball has had since 2012. And, you know, everybody talks about the impact of the 90 feet. I think the impact has more to do with the split focus of the pitcher on the mound. The pitcher's now all of a sudden worried about that guy at first base because baseball made a proclamation, we're not going to steal anymore. So what's that do for a pitcher? All he has to do is focus on the batter. So I, I think it's a it's been reintroducing a great aspect of the game. I love the speed game. We even saw the Blue Jays yesterday play hit and run and have a squeeze bunt in the same inning. Not just <laughs> the same inning, but that's the type of baseball you're going to have to play when you get into the postseason. Because theoretically, you're going to face the best pitchers you faced all season long, and you've got to figure out a way to manufacture runs. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Dan, you mentioned David Schneider. We do have to talk about him. He's one of the best stories in baseball. He's got a 1,300 OPS. I know he went into uh, the game Sunday with the highest OPS through his first 21 games of any player in the modern era. There have been a few players in the modern era. So how, how for real do you think this is? I mean, obviously, he's not going to be a 1,300 OPS guy forever. <laughs> Nobody ever has been. Nobody ever will be. Um, but Buck and I both really like what we're seeing. So for people who don't know anything about him and are hearing his name for the first time, imagine Dan Ugla with a mustache. And that's what David <laughs> looks like. And I mean, like a grade A mustache, like a, just a terrific mustache. And we are seeing hundreds, if not thousands of people around the Rogers Center now. I don't know where... I don't know if they're going to the dollar store or if they sell them at the Jay's <laughs> shop in the ballpark, but everybody's showing up with these fake mustaches now and just, you know, drinking their beer with a fake mustache, watching the baseball game in honor of this guy. But he's a very smart hitter. He's a great story, as you mentioned, a 28th round pick. Like that round doesn't even exist anymore. How many 28th round picks in recent memory have made it to the major leagues? And at every level in the minors, Jason, uh, you know, the coaches were like, Boy, this guy's doing great. Is it real? And then he would keep doing it, and they'd bump him up a level and bump him up a level. Um, smart guy, takes advice, you know, takes instruction, uh, works hard, and has a very good idea of what he's doing at the plate. If you throw him your best slider an inch or two off the outside corner early in the in the count, he's not going to swing at it. He said, "Why would I swing at something early in the count where the best case scenario is I bloop a ball to right field? I will not swing at anything I can't do damage on." until there are two strikes in the count. And even if he has an 0 for 4, 3 strikeout game, which he's had, he stays with that approach. He's got the ability to pull the ball. He's got the ability to take pitches and, and take a ton of walks. I think he's walked 18 times in 23 games or something like that. And he's got the ability to hit the ball in the air. And this team at times has hit the ball on the ground a lot, grounded into a lot of double plays and been a little impatient at times. So when you've got a patient hitter with a good approach who can pull the ball and hit it in the air, they're going to find a place for him. I think he's a major league player. I don't know what he is exactly, but I think he's a major league player. He can second base is his best spot, a little left, a little third, but I think he'll settle in as a as as a nice major league player and put up some numbers where you look back at the end of the year and say, "Wow, this guy's pretty good." Do yeah. you guys have the fake mustaches? I agree. <laughs> And, and I think the one thing that's been interesting, and it's going to be fun for me to watch the next four days against the Rangers, because yeah. Kansas City really pitched him tough. Friday night, he had two doubles and two walks, and they threw a few pitches inside. He had a double down the right field line on the pitch outside. He hooked the ball down the left field line on the pitch inside, and then he took two huge walks. And then in the game yesterday, when the Blue Jays were dead in the water offensively, he and Vladdy took back-to-back two-out walks and set up a unbelievable three wild pitch inning and the Blue Jays tied it up. And unfortunately, you know, Cole Reagans, who was dealing, just all of a sudden lost. It slipped on the mound a couple of times. But it's going to be interesting for me. And I and I told Davis this uh, on Saturday. I said, you know, you're probably going to start pitching you away now. And they had Sal Perez behind the plate, of course, the five-time gold lover. So they didn't get many pitches inside at all. Grinky hung him a slider on the inner half. He said, that's the one I should have swung at. But he's looking fastball until he gets two strikes. He's looking inner half, trying to do damage. And so far, he's done great. But now it's going to be interesting to see the Texas Rangers and how they pitch him in this four-game series. Because I can guarantee you, they're going to try to establish a way first and foremost and see how he handles that. Buck, since you, since you mentioned the Rangers, uh, the Jay schedule the rest of the way is really interesting. 
even in this age of the balanced schedule, uh, they have nothing but games against the AL East left, except for these next four games against the Rangers, the team that is chasing them. Uh, I, I wonder how you guys look at this series against Texas, uh, which will be in Toronto, by the way. Yeah, these two teams have a tremendous history, of course, going back to 15 and 16 in the postseason. And the Blue Jays lost two or three to Texas earlier in the season down there in uh, Arlington. But they were pretty close games. And at one point, when Bassett pitched, they had a 6 nothing lead going into the bottom of the third. And they blew that game and lost it 11-7. to But I think over the history of the franchises, the Blue Jays have always had a dominant run against the Rangers in this ballpark. And, of course, who can forget the bat flip game back in the 15 when Jose Bautista had that dramatic home run. So I don't think there's any concern about who they're playing. I think there's more concern on Blue Jays' side of things about how they're playing. If they continue to play like this, it doesn't make any difference who they're playing at this point. Well, Buck, I mean, I – in a little little history. So your Blue Jay years were what on, on the playing side? What 81 years? to 86. Okay. So can you give us a little bit of like, you know, I'm going nostalgia here. Can you take us from those years, what it was like, and then kind of match it to, you know, 2023, just the, the culture, you have an expansion team, all that. Yeah. And then, Doug, you know, I came here um, as a veteran. I think I was in my 11th big league season when I came, and I thought I was going to be in Toronto for a year. I was <laughs> traded from Milwaukee. Uh, Bobby Maddock was the manager in 81. After the season, Bobby Cox signed on. And then I started to look around, look at all the great players that were in the minor league system. Of course, Dave Steve was already here, Jim Clancy, Louis Leal. There was a host of good pitchers. And when Bobby Cox came over, it just changed the whole dynamics of the team. And, of course, uh, you know, he left after the 85 season to take the managerial job or general manager's job in Atlanta. But this team has always been, and, and I asked Pat Gillick about it, the general manager, many years later. I said, who did you pattern your team after as you established this new expansion team? And I thought it was the Kansas City Royals, but he said it was the L.A. Dodgers. He said the Dodgers have always had a terrific system in the farm system, and they developed talent, and they created a way to play. And I think that's what the Blue Jays did, because when they had the lead up, they won an 85 you know, they, they had a disappointing finish in 86 and 87, and then they finally won in 91 and got in the World Series 92 and 93. Well, when they got to 91 and lost in the postseason, that's when they said, okay, our core is set. Now we're going to go out and get some complimentary free agents, and boy, did they ever. You know, they brought in Jack Morris and Bob Hollander, and then the next year they brought in Ricky Henderson and Dave Winfield and David Cohn, and it was just one right after another. But they could do that because they had created this core of homegrown talent that was very good. And now they use the complimentary free agent system to really build the World Series championship. Hey, before we let you guys go, um, you know, people have watched and heard both of you for, for years. I, I'd like to have use this last couple of minutes to tell them a little bit about you. Um, Buck, you had a health issue last year. Can you tell people what you went through and how you're doing right now? Yeah. Um, in April, uh, actually at the end of March, I found out that uh, I had something going on and uh, we didn't really know what it was. And then we did a biopsy and had more scans and I found out I had cancer. And, uh, you know, at that time I, I told Dan and I told uh, Scotty Carson, our stats guy, and I said, you know, I'm going to do 10 games. So everybody can kind of get their schedules in order before we go down to Houston. And Doug knows this. My doctor in Houston was a baseball player at Penn, Dr. Stephen Frank. He was my cancer uh, radiologist down in Houston, and uh, he was a terrific doctor at MD Anderson. But I got great treatment. I got healthy very, very quickly. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. But at the same time, I came back in July and, uh, you know, it just proved to me once again, if you just hit things head on and look them in the face, uh, you can conquer an awful lot of things. And, yeah, I was very fortunate to uh, take care of it very quickly. Well, it's so glad to, to see you doing so well. I, I mean, I don't know if people know this. Uh, Buck actually moved to Houston for how long, Buck? About three months. Three yeah. months. Because that was that was the very best place for somebody who was going through what you're going through, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Every morning at uh, six in the morning, I got my radiation treatment and I was back home by seven. Wow. And, you know, it's just a, a different time. But like my wife said, my wife, Arlene said, we got this. It's just another road trip. 
just no games to be playing. Well, I'm I'm glad you're winning this one. And and Dan, you've made the transition from the voice of baseball on ESPN to the voice of your hometown team. I I think people would appreciate your perspective on how this particular job has fit your life and your career. Uh, It fits it perfectly right now, to be honest with you. And I have nothing but wonderful memories from ESPN. And I'm still with ESPN for college basketball all through the winter. I just don't do baseball for them. Uh, more in the summer, but they gave me such a tremendous opportunity. And, and what not a lot of people remember is actually Buck and I did ESPN games together back in the 1990s. We were a team together. We did Wednesday night games when the network we worked for at the time in Canada, TSN, if they didn't have the Blue Jay game that night, you know, we could be in Minnesota with the Blue Jays on Tuesday, fly to San Diego together to do a Wednesday night ESPN game, and then fly back to Minnesota to do the Thursday night game uh, for the Blue Jays. So uh, we've worked together on both sides of the border. But, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Jason, I'm from here, you know, I'm born and raised here. Uh, I have a program with Doug Alt's signature on it from April 7th, 1977, the first ever Blue Jay game. I was there. Little Danny was there in the cold and the snow. And, um, you know, I grew up with this team. And, and um, when I got the job doing Blue Jays games in 1995, I never, ever, ever thought I would leave. And just there were just so many wonderful opportunities for me. Uh, at ESPN with basketball and radio as well. But to have a chance to come back has been wonderful. Um, You know, everybody in my family, they're enormous Blue Jay fans. Um, My dad passed away about a year and a half ago, but I got back for a few years while he was still um, doing great and loving baseball. And I would get a text from him before every game at like 6.58. I'm watching, you know, and that meant the world to me, you know, and, and, you know, I knew he was watching because he would watch whether, whether I was doing the game or not. (laughs) And, you know, my kids are Blue Jays fans. My friends are Blue Jays fans. And I'm not going to lie, you know, being from here and and coming back again, you, you do get a little bit emotionally wrapped up in it. So, um, I'm remarried. I've got a little boy, a young four-year-old. So even if we're doing a series all weekend, I can see him Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, that sort of thing. So on many levels, professional and personal, um, this works out great. And the chance to work with Buck again, like Buck was the first guy I worked with. Uh, Buck taught me uh, a million different things about baseball and television back in the 90s. And, and I'll leave you with the most important one he ever taught me. On our first day, I think, he said, if we can make this sound like two guys sitting at a bar, having a beer, watching a baseball game, we're doing okay. And we've just tried <laughs> to keep doing that for uh, all these years. Well, that's what you do. So when you went to that first Blue Jays game, the, the roof at Exhibition Stadium was open? No, yeah, it wasn't working that day, strangely <laughs> enough. So, But uh, oddly enough, they had real industrial-sized snowplows up here, as if you would ever know. So, um, because there was like, it was like a snowstorm. They, were, they beat the White Sox 9-5. Um, on that day and and there are many many days now and listen Toronto was no different than Detroit or Cleveland or even Chicago <laughs> weather-wise um, we, we want you to know that but there are some <laughs> days where we say you know what if they got to close the roof it's okay we know we're going to play a game today so we like our little setup here at the Rogers Center yeah and Dan this this will be the first year that you will not be calling the World Series on ESPN radio since when my first one was 2011. So I did it the last 12 years. Um, the great John Shambi, one of my best friends in the world, um, has that now. And that's great. And and one of the reasons is, and this is another reason why Buck and I are so lucky, is uh, ours is the only network that's allowed to do playoff games, just as if they're regular season games. Because up here in Canada, we don't impact Fox or TBS's viewership or ratings or anything like that. So if the Blue Jays make the playoffs... Um, you know, if the, if the, if the Blue Jays and twins are playing each other in the first round, Minnesota fans are going to watch that game on TBS or Fox, uh, or the MLB network. Blue Jay fans are going to watch us just like it's a regular season game. So, um, you know, that's, that's what you want to do, right? You want to do playoffs. You want to do championships if you're an announcer. So, and I know I speak for Buck as well. That's the most exciting time of the year. So, um, if the Blue Jays get there, we'll just we'll just keep chugging along doing our games on Sportsnet. We'll be happy. Our viewers, our fans, you know, they know us, right? For better, for worse, we're part of the family for them. So um, up here, it's a very exciting thing. You know, I was thinking, Dan, I would miss seeing you in October, but maybe I won't. Maybe you won't. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's up to the Blue Jays, though. Instead yeah. of that being up to uh, whoever determines my radio. I know you and I have spent so many Octobers together all over the place. But yeah, ultimately, the better the Blue Jays do, the more likely you and I can see each other at some point. <laughs> That'd be awesome with both of us, right? So, uh, Dan Buck, you guys are awesome. 
Uh, always a pleasure to hang out with you. I hope the trip from Starkville International back to Toronto <laughs> goes smoothly. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Great to see you. Hey, guess what? It's that time again. It's time for listener trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. And uh, Doug, you weren't here last week. You missed one of my all-time trivia debacles in the, in the last Ooh. show. I had what I thought was a gettable question, and I whiffed mm-hmm. on every single guess. So <laughs> I don't know if you feel like you're ready to rescue us today on basically no sleep, but that would help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes no sleep. I'm I'm in a certain kind of zone yeah. uh, where I could I could guess the answer before I even think of it. So that's <laughs> that's where I'm trying to go. That could come in handy. <laughs> let's find out. Uh, we have a great question to tackle today. So uh, let's welcome in this week's special trivia guest star. It is Adam Kane making his return visit to Starkville. Hey, Adam, welcome back to Starkville. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me again. Well, we are happy to have you here. Yeah. You know, we, we now have a, a a trivia coliseum where we do this stuff. It looks a lot like oh, yeah. the places we do the rest of the show, but use your imagination, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, hey, Adam, first, we have some trivia to ask you. Do you know the date of your last mm. visit to Starkville? Mm. I think it was last season. Um... Yeah, it was. Mm, was a special it might have been. <laughs> I feel like I might have been on the, the Theo Epstein show last year, so put it around opening day last year. I don't know if that's right. You had you, I think you might have been on a couple times last year, but your last visit was last September twelfth. Wow! Oh. Basically, one year to the day. <laughs> Does that mean you're the only listener to this show is not busy watching football in September? <laughs> um, I guess I multitask better than the other listeners. <laughs> Obviously. Hey, hey, Doug, here's another amazing thing about Adam. Uh, as best I can tell, his only posts on Twitter or X or whatever it is this week over the last year and a half were to ask us a trivia question. So, Adam, <laughs> is that accurate? That sounds right. Yeah, I don't I don't really use it too much, especially I can't even find the website anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> that is hard. But so so in other words, the only people you follow are us. Would that be about right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, X is on Mars. You can find it on Mars. I know that's where Elon Musk wants to die. Apparently, I think he said that at one point. So, yeah. Uh, so X is on Mars. We'll just say that. OK, All so right. navigate to Mars. You'll find us. All right. So, Adam, just tell people. Just a little about yourself before we get get started with this, where you're from, who you root for, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I live in South Carolina now. I grew up in North Carolina. Uh, grew up a Cubs fan because of WGN being on and getting yeah. games that way. Um, so still a Cubs fan all, all my life. And um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, you saw, you saw a few Doug Glanville moments in your time, Way right? back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot I of was... family in North Carolina, man. What part of North Carolina are you I'm from Charlotte. Charlotte, okay. Charlotte, but I lived in Raleigh for a few years for college. So I think that's where your family is, right? Yeah, NC State. Did you go to NC State? Yeah. We we must have talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had some ACC conversations. Yeah. Cameron Cameron (laughs) Park. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, listen, it's awesome to have you here, Adam. So um, why don't you hit us with your question and we'll get this moving? All right. So my my question's inspired by Roberto Clemente. So Roberto had 12 consecutive seasons with an OPS plus above league average and a gold glove award in the same season. Can you name the other four players with at least 10 such consecutive seasons? Wow, that's good, man. Uh, So we need four players who won 10 gold gloves in a row and had an OPS plus above 100 in all 10. Do I have that right? That's right. Okay. Mm, uh, man, who did that? Wow. Well, before we begin, uh, you know, Glanville has decreed that any question with four answers goes beyond the Glanville line. Hey, Doug, <laughs> how many of these do you think we should be required to get so we can say we got it right? This is my favorite part of the show because each week Jason lowers the number. That's what I love. Do I? He's like, more than six, more than five, more than four. <laughs> Would I do that? I might do that. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's a, that's that's right up my alley. Well, how many out of forty uh, want to get? 
I don't know. Do we have a sleep deprivation discount, like three out of four or something like that? Um, <laughs> since I don't know what time zone I'm in right now, still can't open my eyes. And this Escher-like thing in the back has got to be just mesmerizing <laughs> in and of itself. Okay, I think Doug said he wants to get three out of four. Uh, Adam, is that okay if we got three out of four? Out of four guesses or three and three guesses? Uh, mm, I'll give you. Too. I'll give you either three answers and three guesses or four answers and five guesses. Mm. Doug, I think he's on to you, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Four out of five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like you want to have more guesses. So, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty famous guesses. players. That, that's the one. Yeah, they're. All right, we should we should go four for five. What, you know, four for five? All right, let's yeah. go for four for five. Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just... uh, all right. Um, look, a couple of these seem pretty obvious. Willie Mays and Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, almost have to be two of them, right? Mm. I, I mean, I know the Gold Glove started right around the you know, somewhere in Mays's career, but I'm, I'm pretty certain he was in double figures. I'm thinking Nolan Arenado might be a third. Doug, but does no one have 10 gold gloves yet? We or should, first of all, this, yeah, this would chill us twice because we, we messed up the last time where we thought he had eight and he actually had nine. Wasn't that last I, time? I know he's got more than eight. The question yes. is, no, I know, but it's, he's not that right, old. Up, yeah. I, I just, I, well, I'm going okay, so to put him as our bonus put, guest. Put him on your list. Okay. Yeah. So then I wrote down a bunch of other names who I think won at least 10 of these, whether they won 10 in Ooh. a row, not sure, but Roberto Alomar, pretty sure he won 10 in a row. Ooh, uh, Rodriguez was in double figures. Mike Schmidt won 10. Mm. Ozzy Smith, Omar yeah, Miskell, Brooks Robinson, oh. Uh, oh, Keith Hernandez. I don't know. Hey, do pitchers count? You, you, this isn't pitchers, right, Adam? Uh, I mean, pitchers would be eligible, but neither OPS, of the pitchers with would... enough gloves got the OPS plus. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Really all right. That, but I, I like the idea, though. I like where All right. Just at. making sure. Um, okay. So Ozzy wouldn't be on there. Omar Vizquel wouldn't no. be on there. No. Um, yeah, any of those other names I would think could be in play. Doug? What yeah. Got? I'm. I'm well, I'm not writing down what you have here. So, Griffey. I, I, what did I get through? I went through Griffey, Mays, Alomar, Schmidt, Budge, Keith Hernandez, Brooks Robinson, Ozzy, uh, Omar Vizquel. Ten gold gloves. Are we missing somebody with ten? That's a lot of gold gloves. Yeah, and you got to be in a row. And, Will, and Willie Mays, you know, when did the gold gloves start? I, I think only Mays and Griffey and Clemente won ten as outfielders. That just comes to mind but I, i'm probably missing somebody who knows. well i was just thinking like did they the gold glove was around for me as his first well i know he played like 20 years so i guess he, he has but to be that good was, 10 years apart mm. yeah defensively he was willie mace oh yeah i'm just thinking <laughs> all right yeah, I just wasn't sure when the gloves. I, I think started. we we have to guess. We're gonna we're gonna guess yeah. Mays and Griffey. Oh, we're gonna no, help. No, 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 no. We're gonna help figure out these other three. Okay, I mean, well, Mike Schmidt. I mean, ten years. I mean, yeah, but was... here's the thing: he had a year where he got hurt early and he missed a lot of games. Mm. Uh, I I mean, it was before my time. He might not have even been alive, right? But um, he uh. I, I think he did not win 10 in a row, is my recollection. Well, in the strike season, you know, I don't know. Oh, um, he had that. Yeah, didn't mess him up. Uh, Brooks Robinson. Huh? Sounds good. He sounds like a good answer. I mean, he won He won 16, but... Yeah. Did he... Was he... Was his OPS plus better than league average in yeah. 10 seasons in a row? That's the trick here. I it's mean, tricky. Now, Alabar kills me because he's he, he was probably I, I, on different teams, right? I mean, he changed teams, but I, he was a, I mean, he had a Hall of Fame career on both sides of the ball. I'm thinking he's won. I think he right. is. I like it. All right, so if we had that gives us three, and we're we're going Arenado as the bonus. Mays, Griffey, Alomar, Brooks, Robinson, and Arenado. Pudge, Keith Hernandez, I threw out there. Uh, yeah, I didn't pay. I mean, Keith was amazing. He did you know, MVP. Did he win? Was he OPS plus every year? I mean, he might have been. Yeah, Griffey Mays, Alomar. All right, we could, well, we could say that. And now it's the two. Griffey Mays, Alomar, Arenado, 
and Pudger Brooks. I'll let I'll let you decide that. You want a coin toss? Do you think Pudge got? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Pudge. Okay, let's just do that. All right. All right. So Adam, I like it. I okay. So we're guessing <laughs> five. We only need to get four. Only. Yes. <laughs> I hope um, we can mess someone totally. That would make me feel better. I don't know if this quite fits into uh, Doug's devious cheating scheme, but With um, Operation Multiple Choice. He's a, he. It, it, Adam's the first guy, Doug, to call us on that. But anyway, we're, we're going to guess. Is there any shot that it's Mays, Griffey, Alomar, Arenado, and Hudge? Hudge. You got two of the names. Griffey and Mays are correct. All right. Okay. So I got, I, I spit out those two. So it means Glenn will yeah. talk me out of all the others. So <laughs> Alomar, Alomar did it 10 times within 11 years. Oh. Skipped a season halfway through. Wow. Um, Arenado came up short in OPS plus two times within his tangle oh, gloves. That's okay, nice. that's that's good. And then uh, <clears throat> Pudge wow. had six consecutive seasons. He missed a few with the hitting. He was he was below league average a few times within his run. All right. Uh, wow. So the other two. So who's left? The other right answer Smith? is uh, Johnny Bench. Did of it course. from sixty eight to seventy seven. Terrible. And Ichiro for his ten his first ten seasons. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's great. Ichiro <laughs> and Bench. Yeah, those, those are great. That you know, it's good to know. So what, so what I, about I, Brooks? What about Brooks and Schmidt? So Brooks Robinson. What what was his story? So yeah, Brooks, like you said, had sixteen gloves, gold gloves, but he had six seasons within there below league average with the bat. Right. Okay. Um, and then Mike Schmidt. Also did it 10 times within 11 years. He had nine seasons, and then he skipped one, and then he had it again. So very oh, close. Wow. that would have been a very close answer. Oh, wow. Oh, you or know what? I liked our space one year or something. That's what happened, right? Oh, look, I, I mean, we kind of <laughs> had the right idea. Right? <laughs> the only thing I take Ooh. out of this is it's good to know I can get these wrong with and without Doug Landville. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard one. But that was great, too. Good question. Yeah, really that's it. Very nice. Yeah. Good question. Sure. Okay. Well, look, at least whether uh, Glanville's part of this extravaganza or not, some things here never change. One of them is uh, you haven't even heard the highlight of this trivia segment yet, because that's the part that has nothing to do with us. It's the part where we bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, to play another fabulous play-by-play -play clip involving this week's answer. So, Mayor Tim, what do you got for us this week? I don't think we've ever played this audio, and we should. So this was an easy way. We're talking about Willie Mays, and we're talking about defense. So I had to go with the catch. Here we go. There's a long drive, way back in center field, way back, back it is. Oh! Willie Mays just caught this crowd to his feet with a catch, which must have been an optical illusion to a lot of people. <laughs> Wow, how good is I'll that? Loose. that? You know, um, I was once going through the Hall of Fame with my son when he was little, and we came across this life-size cardboard cutout of Willie Mays making the catch. And he said, Dad, what's this? And I said, oh, that's the most famous catch in baseball history. And then we found like a video monitor in the hall and watched the catch with that play-by-play. -play. And it just, mm -hmm. it, it's cool when I hear it. It brings me back to that moment. But all I know is... We've just distracted America from the fact that we got that question wrong. <laughs> so, so, Adam, great work. Great question. Uh, really appreciate you joining us in Starkville. And I guess we'll see you next September, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll pencil it in. Yeah. Thanks thanks again for having me. Always good uh, have, man. Enjoy the Cubs run, man. Enjoy it. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and remember, you two can be part of these trivia segments just like Adam. We'll tell you how to do that in just a few minutes. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC member NYSE SIPC. Strange 
the tree. Doug, I've been looking forward to this ever since last week when this thing happened. I honestly could not wait to ask you about it. It's the kind of thing I've been asking you about our whole lives that we've known each other. So, uh, look, I know you think that you would know an immaculate inning when you see one. But mm -hmm. good luck with this one. Okay, we're going to set it up. <laughs> this was last week in a Rays Guardians game. Uh, Robert Stevenson of the Rays came into pitch. Uh, let's hear how his inning went. The pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him with the slider. Strike three. Swing and a miss at another slider. Laureano to one knee. And that's six pitches and two strikeouts for Stevenson here in the 10th inning. 0-2 with two on. 5-5 game. Check swing. Did he go? Yes, he did. Nine pitches. Three strikeouts for Stevenson, and we're headed to the 11th. <laughs> okay, right. so you're, yeah. you're catching on, right? He threw nine pitches to three hitters. He struck out all three of the hitters on three pitches. So does yeah. that sound like an immaculate inning to you? Must be, right? Sounds like it to me. Nine pitches, <laughs> okay. three strikeouts. You're all out. Right. Well, there might be a few extraneous details. Okay, so mm -hmm. uh, you, you might have heard – Neil Sullins um, allude to this, but remember that this happened in extra innings. Mm -hmm. Okay, so okay. there was a zombie runner out there. And because there was a zombie runner out there, <laughs> you know what Robert Stevenson did in the middle of the three strikeouts? He issued an intentional walk. <laughs> no, he didn't throw any pitches while he, he was didn't throwing throw any pitches. No, <laughs> right. So, okay, so let's think about it, Doug. <laughs> um, okay, through pitches, three hitters, nine pitches, three strikeouts, yeah, but right. there were two left on, and there was a walk, although it was an intentional <laughs> walk that involved no pitches. Okay, so, <laughs> so what do you think? Is immaculate inning the right term for that? <laughs> See, this is what I love about, first of all, a lot of the new rules. You can make up your own vocabulary, and I know I, know I got to work on this. There will be a Starkville library for all kinds of moments like these. Please. Where we can add our own terms. And it, the new rules have given us just such a glorious bouquet of new <laughs> dictionary-friendly Starkvillian words. Was, this is the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, it's immaculate in that it was three batters, nine pitches, right? They struck out. So you only can do that yeah, at minimum, right? Nine pitches. Uh-huh. Pretty immaculate. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm assuming when you intentionally walk someone and just point, you don't get four pitches on your pitch count, right? I'm assuming that. You get zero. zero. You get zero, right? It's still zero. Right. It doesn't count right. as, okay. Right. So, you know, that's, um, but, you know, I think we're, we're running into some of the challenges of like when we were playing these seven inning games and you're like, did they throw a no hitter? Well, they did throw a no hitter. Uh, we had to just come up with another term. So yeah, we're, we're kind of colliding with that, but yes, I, I think it's beautiful. I mean, it's immaculate. Okay. It, okay. Was immaculate something? Yes. Okay. But wasn't an immaculate yes. inning. So I wrote about this for the athletic, had a lot of fun doing that. I talked to Robert Stevenson. Uh, we had a good time talking about it, but I also talked to the Elias sports bureau because we needed a ruling. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, Elias told me that, I don't know if you know this, there's actually, there's not a word in the rule book anywhere that defines what an immaculate inning even is. So mm -hmm. we're basically making this up as we go along. I think that works for us here. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but they right. also said that because an intentional walk counts as a batter faced, whether mm. there are pitches thrown or not, their ruling is it's not an immaculate inning. So that was their side. Okay, mm -hmm. so talk to Robert Stevenson. He was pretty resigned to this, but he had some great observations, I thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one thing, Doug, it wasn't his idea to yeah. issue the intentional walk. It was all Kevin Cash. He had right. nothing to do with it. Okay. Yeah. And would there have been a need for the intentional walk if there was no zombie runner hanging around second base? What's right. the answer? No, 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 right? It's the zombie's fault. So you blame um, your manager. You blame the manager. The rules committee, you can blame the commissioner. Yeah. I mean, there's a long list of people that ruined your immaculate moment. That's They're right. like your kids when you clean your house and then they drop a sock on the floor as soon as they come home. So that's not your fault. 
Okay. So in other words, if you were serving on the baseball Supreme Court, mm-hmm. you would rule on the Robert Stevenson motions in his favor? I would. I mean, I, I would absolutely love coming up with another name. Um, you could do you that. Know, I mean, that that's what that's you do the here. fun of it. That's what I do. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I'd love to hear the name that you, you know, adorned your article. You seem to have come up with something. Yeah. Well, okay. So be- I'll, I'll lead to that. Uh, I just wanted to, we, we should take this where it goes. Okay. The the folks at Elias also reminded me that now that you also have the pitch clock and the zombie runner rule, it could really mess with the whole immaculate inning thing. Theoretically, you could have three strikeouts and no pitches. If you had nine pitch clock violations in a row, yeah. seems unlikely, but who knows? Hey, guy falls asleep. Guy falls asleep in the in the would, batter's box. I, I think mean, you need three guys to fall asleep, but it yeah, could happen. Guys. Theoretically, yeah. is the magic word. Um, you could have nine pitches and three strikeouts, but there's a foul ball, two strike foul ball in there. But you have a pitch clock thing, so it's only nine pitches. What, what will we do about those, Doug? I mean, like an eight pitch, like you you got okay, fouls, three one pitch, off. right? Three pitch strikeout. Three pitch strikeout. Strikeout. Two Go to pitches. 0 and two. Next guy pitch falls asleep. Fouled off. So now before the tenth pitch of the inning, uh, the guy doesn't get back in the box, so he's out on the clock violation. But only yeah. nine pitches were thrown, and there were three strikeouts. Well, yeah. What are we even doing? Yeah, I think that. Well, what's happened with the pitch clock violation? It's like nine doesn't mean nine anymore. That that's yeah. what started. That's what's starting to happen. Just like, all right, we we're trying to define a no hitter, and we're like, oh, wait a minute, but you can you can define that world when there's no seven inning games. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, or you know, suspended game, you know, five innings official game. So this is what's messing everything up here. So which is the I see it as an opportunity. I see it as a, <laughs> a chance to create uh, new words and new terms and just have yeah. fun with it. Yeah, it's an opportunity for wackos like us for sure. So that your oh, assignment yeah. the next week is to come up with your favorite term for this in the meantime our friend yeah. neil songs we heard him describe the moment he's the radio voice of the rays and so he asked me about this after it happened and then we went back and forth and he came up with the perfect term for it the immaculate non-immaculate inning okay so i perfect. love that mm-hmm. i ran up by robert stevenson big fan of it so we're going to go with that Unless you have some objection, Mr. Immaculate Inning, Supreme Court Justice Glanville. Well, everything's coming back to the pitch clock, right? Uh, so because we had a we have strikeout not looking. Okay, that this is coming up. So I'm wor- I'm a little worried about the double negatives we're running into, and uh, I don't want to be negative in baseball. I, I understand. Uh, okay, but so you happened. got a week. You got a week. So I got a week, but I, I did have a little preliminary thought. Um, okay. Because when I think of this moment, I think of two things, and they're they're completely related. Vacuum cleaners and the Roman Empire. Okay, so let me explain. Uh, <laughs> so, because cleaning, of course, immaculate, you have to think of cleaning your house. Uh, maybe it's bleach. So you have to use some sort of cleaning product or cleaning term. Maybe vacuum cleaners, the, the shark, Bissell. I mean, who else makes it? Dyson. All right, so of course, I'm thinking sponsorship too for the show. So let's think of that way of think, think too. But yes, so vacuum cleaners should be involved in this term. I did, however, dive a little deeper on your immaculate, non-immaculate inning concept. Now, notice if you take the first letter of each word, you have I-I-N-I, okay, uh, or eeny, right? Okay, so eeny, all right, so we, because acronyms sell, they work. They they stick in your brain like RBIs and terms that last forever. Uh, and so where, that's where I go to the Roman Empire, because Roman numerals have eyes in them. They have eyes. I'm going to make up a new Roman numeral, the N, because there is no N. I think there's an M, a C, an L, uh, but there's no N. And if I give the N 10 points of value, like the X, except it's a special baseball term, just like a K is a strikeout for some strange reason, N is also worth 10 points. And you know how it is when you have a number, a letter in front of the, the other letter, you subtract, and the number after the letter, you add. So if it's a 10... The two I's in front of it, I-I-N-I, the initials of Eni, immaculate, non-immaculate inning, the two I's in front take away two from the from the N, which is now eight. 
and then you add the I at the end and you get nine. Okay. So the term immaculate, not immaculate, which sounds perfect for the Roman empire when its Senate was corrupt, uh, Julius, yes, Gaius, Julius Caesar, and we're watching a show Domina. So yeah, I know about Luce, uh, Drusilla. Okay. Livia Drusilla, his wife. Uh, those two figures should play very prominently. When you have, we have the perfect moment. I, I, N, I. We create N, a new Roman numeral, and we're off to the races. So I think we just start our own uh, alphabet, basically, over this whole thing. Okay. I, I, I mean, you lost me somewhere at the Colosseum. But um, by my calculations, it's actually I, N, I, I. So you can't subtract two I's from the N, whatever the heck the N is, whatever the I's are. I don't even know what you're talking about, but you got them all mixed up in the wrong order. Okay, well, that's, that's a good point. So I-N-I-I, you add the two I's. So now you start what, an eight? An eight? Yeah, that's perfect. So N is now eight. So that was, that was bad bad math or bad Roman math. So eight is now N. You subtract one, seven, and then you add the two I's on the back end, and now you have nine. So we just created a whole new Roman numeral. N equals eight. And immaculate, not immaculate, sounds like a corrupt Senate term from Julius Caesar's period of time. So I think it's perfect. Perfect, huh? I don't even know what you just said, but you know what I do know? That's going to do it for this week's show. How about that? <laughs> and I like it. We'll be bringing you podcast magic with or without Roman numerals, just like this, all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you would like to read any of the tremendous baseball stories that we write in The Athletic, uh, including my two recent breakdowns of how baseball is changing the strike zone, uh, we can tell you how to do that. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you're a new subscriber, you can sign up for a one-year subscription for just $1 a month for the next 12 months. $1. Yes, it's true. But also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we keep picking fun listener trivia questions and then inviting the fun listeners to join us on the show and prove once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So we're going to review one more time how that works. You can email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. Uh, you can check my Facebook fan page. We've got a bunch of fun questions there over the last few months. Or you can do what Adam Kane did today. Uh, you can mm -hmm. X at us on the site, once upon a time known as Twitter, historians tell us. So, Doug, if someone wants to X a question or N a question to you these mm -hmm. days, how would that work? Uh, I have not changed, although... In Rome, I'm curious what my Twitter account would be like, or my you have X an account. N and an I in your name. X is a ten, so we're see we're all in the same family here. We're talking X is ten. Uh, so yes, it's just at Doug Glanville. It hasn't changed despite the Roman Empire taking over the world. So it's just at Doug Glanville, D O U G G L A N V I L L E, and I expect a seat in the Roman Senate soon enough. Okay, the uh, the Roman Empire ended a couple centuries ago, a couple thousand right. centuries ago, whatever it was. Uh, yep. You should know that the rise and fall of the Roman Empire includes a fall. So I just yes. thought I'd update you on that. Uh, in All other right. news, you can also exit me on the X. I am at Jason ST. That's J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Keep hashtagging those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for yes. playing. Thanks to Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez for visiting us. Thanks to Adam Kane for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And Doug and I will see you next week. Uh, uh, Starkville. Starkville. <laughs>